Hey, Jeff. What is going on? At the end of our song, I heard it. Wow. That was the sound yeah. I heard at the end of our theme song instead of your beloved Beyond. That's funny because for me, it was sharper than ever. I've noticed that all <laughs> the colors look a little more crisp lately. Everything tastes better. You know, food tastes better. You know, I just feel like I'm making love with the earth. Did you just, just, you just, just, you discovered marijuana since our last <laughs> <laughs> music? No, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I am an enhancement smoker a la John Stewart now. No, uh, no, it's just the, you, it, I am on a natural high of winning games and looking like a competent team. And I think two games into this season, I'm ready to call it that we'll never ever lose again. All right, get that get that bad boy up there then. You I know you want to do it. Um <laughs> no. This is just yeah, th- this is not a scrolly kind of deal. I just Hold on, to, I'll fix it. Know, it. Uh, I got, I'll it. Fix I got it. it. Arsenal will never ever lose again. Um they're all going those- to lose now. <laughs> For those of you who are listening to our free stream and not listening to the paid stream that we don't offer, yeah. uh, Jeff Jeff has a lot of conflicting messages flying across the screen, uh, very much replicating the chaos of the early beginning to the season. Indeed. So go, well, ahead. go ahead, Jeff. Take us through your play-by-play. Like This is like you're talking to your friend who never gets laid, and you're like, oh, man oh man, last night I had this threesome and I just want to tell you every detail about it. And I'm like, right. you don't have overwhelming to have that many women phoning. No, um, <laughs> honestly, I think we should start. I think we should start with the bad news. I think we should start with this ticker. What's the bad Skyler. news? The bad news are, yeah, you, I mean, I guess everything, everything's fine in Manchester, right? Everything is going well for you. Are you familiar with, there's like a Greek myth. Hold on, I'm going to Google it. Um, Sisyphus? No, it was uh, like some dude who was, oh, uh, is it Prometheus and Titius? Prometheus is the guy that gave us fire and now is chained to a rock and there's an eagle eating his liver for eternity. Which and it grows back every day, so he gets to experience the full spectrum of pain of what it's like to have yeah. your liver ripped out of you every day. That's what being a Manchester United fan is these days. Every week, your liver goes back, so the Glazers can rip it out again. To be fair, uh, I think there's been quite a bit of liver damage in Manchester, especially. <laughs> I mean, all the time, but I don't know if they're at full strength over the last couple weeks here. Well, tell you tell me you tell me what happened because uh, I only watched half of a football match this weekend. You turned it off at halftime. I decided to play a a video game instead, and I'd almost rather talk about the video game. <laughs> well, we'll get into that, um, and I think we we should also probably get some movie recommendations for you for the rest of the season. <laughs> just, some good know, books, <laughs> yeah. Any series that you got out there? Dig into like. People always love to recommend like an Amazon Prime series because everyone has Amazon Prime. No one watches it. And so like there's probably hours and hours of content there. I think you know, there's a lot of places for you to go in the next in the next few weeks here, but probably lay off the Manchester United games. I started watching this show called This Fool, which is like I want to say it's like LA Latin America based 
sort of dramedy comedy that's feels like its own kind of thing. But um, even the title of that show, I'm watching it. I'm like, this fool? Did Manchester United hire him? Like that's <laughs> I, I, it's like I see. I see the pain of this season and the eyes and mouths of every babe uh, in the in the whispers of the wind. I come to a red stop sign and I'm like, yeah, they are stopping defending. Like I, I can find a way to interpret anything as Manchester United is devastating me. Oh man, we really sh- that should have been a good segment where I just like give you random pieces. Of you can do that stimuli. now. Unprepared. Like, uh, okay, here I'm just gonna grab random things that are around me. Here is a poker chip. Relate that to Manchester United. Like the gambling Sir Alex Ferguson's racehorse did that really are the reason that the Glazers ended up taking over the club. It was like Ferguson was preoccupied with the racehorse. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I did make a connection. Okay. Yeah, that's a pretty good connection. Ferguson, Uh, racehorse, Glazers. I'll pull it up for you. Go ahead. All right. Here is... A unmatched sock. It's one of those little socks that doesn't even come up around your ankle. Wait, are you saying our players aren't even wear- playing with the right equipment? Because that would make sense. If they're only playing with one sock and it's not even a soccer sock, that would make a lot more sense with why they just got outrun by Brentford by 13 and a half kilometers. The fact that you know that says to me that you know this other interesting fact that I was going to bring up. Have you heard about how Ten Hag has had the players he took away a day off and that he has some sort of torture that is lined up to the 13.8, I believe, kilometers? So he basically, like, you're going yeah, to run every meter that you got outrun by. And then all these there's suddenly all these dissenting news articles coming out about like, oh, sports medicine people don't think that that's wise or, you know, with 24 hours after a game where they exerted themselves, I'm like, they didn't exert themselves. They'll probably the be problem. okay. <laughs> They'll they probably need, they be able to, to handle it. This. Well, they've, they've switched it up. They've been resting during the matches, and then they train yes. harder during the week. Dude. Um, yes. But I don't know. We, we could talk about Manchester United for hours, or we could talk about Manchester United for two minutes. Because this, it, I think we should delve into it a bit. This is a podcast um, about Manchester United, at least halfway. But, I mean, is there any level of this? Because I think when you look at the result and it's 4-0, Manchester United versus Brentford, the instant reaction is like, you know, point and laugh in the direction of Manchester. But is there any, like, it, it should any of this, is any, I haven't heard anyone give credit to Brentford. Um, you know, is there are they a good team? They beat us last year 2-0, almost in the exact same point of the season. They are a, a very decent team, but they are a team, and we are still a collection of Lego blocks. We are a connection of is it du- Duplo blocks? Yeah, you got what's Legos the like not Duplo. the knockoff one? Duplo. We have Tinker Toys in there. We have a couple yeah. of Q-tips. <laughs> Just we have a couple of Q-tips in our yeah. Lego set. Yeah, like that's what it's. it's it, it, it very much represents my toy collection as a child where I didn't have the full set of anything and this toy and that toy were going to have to fucking get along. Mm. Um, but th- this is the Did result show of... About that? I, all right, to the listener at home, I have written a show about it. It has not gotten picked up as of yet and that's why you don't know about it. 
Um, if you are Cartoon Network and you have be taken on human form to listen to this podcast, you should pick it up. I think you'd enjoy it. Our live, our live viewer on uh, Twitch right now is probably a, a decision maker at Cartoon Network. They're just yeah, st- statistically. <laughs> Everyone on Twitch is a uh, vice president of production at one of the major networks. It's got to be someone who's just trolling, trolling Twitch, looking for new talent. <laughs> um, fuck, where were we? So th- this this issue isn't like when someone dies of cancer at like 70. It's not the last 10 packs of cigarettes that caused it, you know? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that's my question to you because really if you if I had asked you at the beginning of the season, do you think the first few weeks will be a lot of fun? You would have said no. But how long the preseason are teased you- me. The four not the, the that sort of mirage of a four nothing over Liverpool when they were just barely getting their legs under them. Right. Like that that made us all be oh, maybe this Ten Hag guy really is like the next Pep or the next whoever. Not that he'll win every game, but that he's tactically really smart, a good player motivator. He's gonna get these like spoiled rich brats to 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 put more out on the field, like to, to exert themselves more at a at a at a minimum. And then the season begins and it's all the people that were saying that the whole time of like, oh, you know, just because United beat Liverpool in preseason, watch, it'll be the opposite fixture score in three or four weeks. Now I am afraid it will be worse than last year's score. Like, I'm afraid it'll be like uh, the 8-2. Yeah. It'll be like one of those scores that like the number alone is a reference to the game. Uh, yeah, I mean the eight two that you bring up, it is you know you did hit me in like a weird soft spot. I know, but you but you knew like you right. it, it, and because all the jokes that came out of it was like, oh, I would eight to be Arsenal right now, and you're like, right. that's pretty well done, but I'm crying. Yeah, uh, we had two seasons in a row where we won over Spurs five two, and you can also spell Spurs with a five and a two in it, which is pretty fun to do. Um, but yeah, what no, what, what headlines? What headlines can we write with the score from uh, the future Liverpool United match? Like, <laughs> one I don't know reasons why Ten Hag has to go. <laughs> and so, or maybe it's just like a fo- football match with a football score. Liverpool beats United seven <laughs> nil. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a very. I thought you were gonna say like a forty two or something, but yeah, there's not enough I time. Mean, is there- this is always this is like a, you've stumbled onto like a a weird TED talk of mine that I think that soccer fans get way <laughs> too obsessed with the like scoreline of individual games because like I mean at the same time like the as soon as you said eight two it hurt me physically but at the same time like a loss is a loss and when you're down five two you might as well put on another attacking player and see if there's any chance to get the draw you know what I mean and so like for me like. You know, they live in infamy. Like, the there was the 7-1 where Germany just, like, dismantled Brazil. I believe it got put on por- It got put on Pornhub. Yeah. And it's like, but for me, it's like, what's the difference, really, between that and, you know, maybe it's because I grew up more of an American football fan where losing by 21 doesn't mean anything. But, like, what's the difference between, you know, besides goal difference? There's no it, difference. All right, all right. But so goal difference does matter. If it comes it does. down to you are tied with someone else for a European place 
and you you had that one game where your back line crapped out an extra three goals. That's the reason you don't qualify for Europa or Champions League or whatnot. Like, you'd be pissed. But also, it's just like the more the more of the disparity, the more of a humiliation it was. The more of a you're not in you're not even in the same class as this team you consider to be a rival. So it's like the realization of that. If, he, if I lose to Liverpool 2-1, I don't feel great, but I don't feel like, oh, what the hell? Like I'm like, yeah, probably. <laughs> probably could have been worse. You probably wouldn't feel bad. That, like, <laughs> I'd mean, find a way, yeah. Is it important enough that like once it gets to 3-0 or 2-0 even, the manager should be making adjustments? Like, is it important enough to you that you should actually like really be trying to avoid like getting like the dreaded like seven nil defeat or whatever? Well, like you'd hope that we're good enough to do that by default. Like you'd you'd hope that that's not something you need to safeguard against. Because there's um, always that option of like, well, now we'll just put ten men behind the ball, even though we're down by two, and we probably should be putting it the you know we should be shifting the field the exact opposite direction. Yeah, I don't even know if we have the defenders to do that. Um, but that's what you see with like lower table teams that knew they're going to lose, and yeah. they just don't want it to be their goal difference that sends them down at the end of the year. They're like, if we're going to lose to City, let's lose two nil and not six nil because it all adds up and it counts as a tiebreaker. So it's like for a lot of those teams, you have to almost be thinking about that at the beginning of the day. Yeah. Um, but not when you're a formerly top team in the UK, if not the world at periods of time. Like, right. th- this is, I've heard people use the reference of like United's sort of implosion feels a lot like Everton. I don't think it's the same. I don't think it's has been as rapid of a demise. And I don't think Everton were at the heights United were at when all this began. True. True. I mean, yeah, Everton was, you know, every like the darling fifth place team at best. And and then they drifted more to sixth, seventh, eighth, and then shit the bed from there. It's like that that happens all the time to teams. Like the, there's one or two of those every year or so in the league. Um, but for us to go like we were second to not last season, but the season before we were second. That's wild to remember that. I almost completely forgot that. That's it. We, that feels we were like second years ago. We were second, and we added Rafael Varane, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Jaden Sancho. I I definitely thought that that was. I mean, on paper, that looked like a great window. On some on some level, I still kind of think it should be because I think both Varane and Sancho ought to be pretty good players here soon. Like, I mean. Sancho, you had you had a built-in excuse the first week because he had been sick. You said, right? But um, but, but the team isn't even, the team isn't functional. It's not like oh, why didn't the forward score? It's like if the midfield behind them is two pieces of broccoli and Christian right. Eriksen is trying to chuck quarterback style passes to, to do <laughs> anything in the offense in the exact way you didn't want him to have to. Yeah, but he's quarter. He's playing like an NFL quarterback because he's having to yeah, drop Mary. deep and just sort of make long passes unpressed. Uh, like the t- the team, it do- it clearly doesn't have the pieces to do 
any coherent system, and that's kind of why Ole got like kind of a tune out of them for a while because there was no system. There were no pieces for a system. So he was just like, you all have individual talents. Just have fun. We'll figure it out. And like when everyone's really trying hard and in a great mood, that works for a little while until you come up against some big games where maybe you need more of a tactical aficionado to, to steer you. But the weird thing about Ole is he was, it wasn't a little while. You know, it, when he was first brought into the role, it was a like season a, and a half. Yeah, I mean, but it was supposed to be like until the off season, essentially, right? That was the plan. He was a what's that called? A steward manager? And that's not it. Um, interim care, caretaker, a caretaker man. Yeah, interim. But he like there was that weird little blip of good form with him. I mean, for me, it always seemed like he was not a real manager. Did I mean, was there ever a point where you were a believer with Ole? No. I mean, I was happy. It's like if Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny gives you a gift, you're happy you got the gift, even if you don't think that Santa or the Easter Bunny are real. Right. That's a good way of putting it. And because I think, like, if you're trying to, you know, we're doing the postmortem right now, and I feel like that's where a lot of this, to me, that's the start of all of this problem, is there was, like, this weird little blip of good form under Ole and they could afford to just not deal with reality, which is that the club was in crisis then. And if they had dealt with it, then, you know what I mean? If there had been a few smart midfield signings, then, then I think you'd be in a very different position right now. Oh, like watching the Glazers management of this club over the last, let's see, we last won a Premier League a decade ago. Uh, but it's been longer than a decade. It's been 16 years, I think, that they've owned the club. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, it seemed like they kind of tried to play along a little bit. Uh, like they kind of tried to like like listen to Ferguson, get this transfer. Like they were they were scrambling around. There was a lot of uh, hot air being blown around by Ed Woodward. Uh, I believe some of the quotes are Manchester United is like Disney Disney World. For, for players, like they just de- so desperately want to go there and that we can do things in the transfer market other clubs can't even dream of. Correct. I don't know many clubs that have had nightmares like this. <laughs> um, but like there was, there was a lot of sort of like enthusiasm for the project. And then over the years, they've realized, oh no, we don't know what we're doing. But can we keep getting that 11 million, that 20 million that we give to our cartoonishly evil looking family. Um, like that's, that's what they'll keep doing. Even if it meant the club like sank a league or two, they would keep doing it. And only when sort of the value of their asset completely diminished, then they would sell it. So it's like, it's like human beings treatment of this planet is the Glazers treatment of Manchester United. Jeff is. Yeah. Still just uh, trying to get kids to not listen to Sister Sister while I'm podcasting. Well, mostly because we don't have the rights. Yeah, we are. TGIF is going to sue the hell out of us. And that'll be really painful for me because I love TGIF growing up. What if what if we raise some money and we could afford one of the sisters? All right, Jeff is going to (laughs) go. Some mid podcast discipline for the kiddos. Hey guys, uh, it's me, your dad, Jeff. Uh, I'm just gonna have to turn it down. 
You're going to have to just turn it down a little bit. Jeff, you are on mute. Jeff, you're still I'm muted. I'm Skyler, and I was always a Tia man myself. Fuck Tamara. I mean, not at this point. I mean, we've known each other too long. We're sufficiently friend-zoned at this point. Um, no, I was just doing my impression you of you. Tia and Tamara too long? <laughs> yeah, I was always more of Team Taj. The, the youngest brother of the sisters, sisters. Oh, man, I forgot about him. There was Rodney. I'm getting, because I my kids have been watching, like, almost every season of Sister, Sister, because I'm a good parent, and I let them watch TV a lot. Um, but, yeah, I'm, like, slowly getting back. Of, like, I, like, know all the characters' names again. Like, there's the dad, Ray, who's, like, an accountant or something boring. Are you, are you talking original, original Sister, Sister? Yeah. I, was there another? Is there a is there a modern? I'm sure. Modern I'm sure that I'm, but I'm sure there'd be some Fuller, a Fuller house. house. There's a sister to sisterer. Um, sister to sister two the sistering. <laughs> sister three sister. Twisted sister. Yeah. Two sister two no okay. And then the smart guy grows up to be a smart old man. Mm. So Taj Maori is a 95-year-old. <laughs> Speaking of Manchester United, is there is there any argument that you're just in pretty much the exact same phase that Arsenal was in this time last year where we had dropped the first three games, we lost to Brentford, and you're just taking your medicine because now you actually have a plan, but like in the short run, having a plan sucks worse than just like having it be gym class with Ole. So the hard part is we're now really getting so we see we clearly see the team needs to be reinforced after like ten departures from last year. That's like mm-hmm. over a million and a half a week in wages that are off the wage bill. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. That over the course of a year that adds up to a Lissandro Martinez transfer by itself, right? Um, but they're not reinforcing the team with anyone good. They're scrambling around and being like, who's cheap? Who's cheap? Who can we get who's 10, 15 million? Adrian Rabio? Hmm. He wouldn't even make your bench. The sad thing about him, I can't even comment on him as a player. I'm not going to say that I've watched a lot of game film of him, but it's just a name that I've heard long enough that I know you shouldn't be buying him. You know what I mean? Like, if I remember transferred rumors about you from years and years ago, then, like, mm, that's probably not great. He's 27. He his I again, I don't think it's anything to do with the fact that it's his mom, the female part of it, but his mom is his agent, and she's famous for being incredibly difficult. I would yeah. say the same thing about anyone whose dad is their agent. I was going to say, any family member agent, like, you see brothers and dads often, but, like, it always, always, always is a bad idea. So yeah, that's a problem. I, I still think, on some level, like I, I remember Ten Hag just being sort of unavailable when Arsenal were like scrambling for a manager post Wenger, mm-hmm. pre Arteta, obviously. And I remember being very disappointed that we couldn't have him because it seems like the like he just seems like such a forward thinking manager. He's a really smart guy. He's had a lot of success before. And he seems like the kind of guy that, I mean, one thing that I think really needs to be revitalized, you know, you guys could really use a class of 92 right now. That would go over just great. And I feel We're like he's the, kind of, he's the kind of guy who, like, if, if he could sort of revitalize your youth setup, 
and you could get a few homegrown players in and he could have a few smart buys, then suddenly we've already, but we've already done that. Our youth setup has been revitalized. We just won the FA youth cup last year. We're, we have the best youth team in the premier league, but nobody's getting results. But I mean, like what would you really want from a great youth team is to have three or four players look like, you know, absolute stars. Like you, if you can get it, if every now and then you get a soccer, that comes for free the way that we had recently. It's like you need some of that to fall on your lap. Otherwise, you just can't so play in this league. Our central midfield is probably the area that most urgently needs reinforcements. Over the summer tour, two 18-year-olds, uh, Zidane Iqbal and Charlie Savage, uh, two two famous football names in those kids, yeah. um, they were the best part of our midfield in the whole preseason. Also, James Garner really didn't get to play much, but he was the central midfield driver of Nottingham Forest's promotion this past season in the championship to the Premier League. So, like, he 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 feels like he could be an answer. There are some people in the youth team. They're looking to sell him to help generate the money to get Adrian Rabio, a 21-year-old, like, great... He's, like, great at everything. Yeah. I guess I guess it gets down to the to the real sort of Rorschach test here of like, are you watching the hardest part of the solution for the club as it gets done, or are you watching the club continue to flail? Because what you're saying there sounds a lot more like flailing to me. Yeah, like, it is. Know, like short term fixes, short term fixes. You know, it's more Cavani's, more Idianagalos. It's like none of those players ever really help our season. They're just a body to stand there. So they can still charge full ticket prices for. I was just like, or more cynically, so that it's like, oh, I've heard of that guy. Maybe I should re re up my Manchester United tickets. You know, dude, they're talking about thirty six year old Jamie Vardy being an answer up front. Long term planning does not seem to be even a. There's not even a whiff of that. Yeah, that's pretty bad. And I have to blame Ten Hag, not on him having a dream of having Frankie De Jong in his midfield, but like being such a numb skull that he's like, it's Frankie or it's nothing. Okay. Then you might get nothing and it might be terrible and you might not get to keep your job. Like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to speak a little too angrily about it. If I like sure. bust it other, open. I'll just continue to play the devil's advocate just to piss you off. And also to make for a good podcast, but like, is there any chance that, you know, options three, four, and five, he's saying, we're going to wait until August 15th to get into that because I really want this other guy. And now it's time that, you know, if, if they do close a transfer in the next week, will it have been worth it for him to, you know, at least sort of swing for the fences early in the transfer window so that later he can bring in, you know, plan B, plan B. Well, if, if they get whatever. Frankie, it, it might be worth it. We might still be a very flawed team that just has another good player in it. Uh, but still have a lot of other problems. If we don't get him, it so wasn't worth it. And that's a there's a big chance of that. Even all of the rumors still coming out are saying, like, if Frankie de Jong's got to go, it, he'll go to Chelsea, which would mean wow. all we did was, like, flirt with this person for two months, and then they went to prom with someone else. So, like, yeah. doesn't seem like that a good strategy. absolute worst-case scenario. Like, if he stayed at Barcelona, there's a chance where you're just like, well, we were never really in for that. I don't know But why. then we still wasted our whole transfer window. And, like, the, the, the I like, it's probably not shocking anyone 
to hear this, but like getting your your transfers done earlier in the window get means takes your dollar further. Anthony Anthony on Ajax, who Ten Hag really wanted to recruit, was available for like forty something in May, and now he's eighty, and they don't really want to sell him anymore because that because if you deprive them a chance to replace him with their own transfer pursuit with that new money then they're not going to want to do it. They're going to be like, we'd rather just have the player versus you're giving us no time to go find another player. Um, So we fucked up the whole transfer thing. We fucked up the whole onboarding of Ten Hag. Like all of that excitement I had for pretty much the whole summer gone. I'm probably not going to watch the Derby this weekend. Really? I'm not going to watch it. Really not going to watch it. Not going to watch it. Wow. I know we know we know how it's gonna go, Jeff. We know how it's gonna go. Brentford have less weapons than Liverpool do. Wow. That man, I'm flabbergasted by that. I really because I really thought that it would be one of those things where you just wouldn't be able to tear your eyes away from it, even if like people who care about you in your life are saying, like, hey, maybe have you seen this show on Amazon Prime, Skylar? It's pretty good. Um, that's how your friends talk. Dude, that is pretty accurate. Um, I want to play a little quick game with you called Manchester United's first win of the season. So if you look in our private chat over here on the right, um, I sent you United's fixture results. Let's look at these. So we've got two losses in the books. We are dead last place in the Premier League table. Um, I want you to guess. I want you to guess what our first win of the season will be, and I and I will guess as well. I'll guess after you, but but seriously, just you should you should if you should be able to just pick a game and be like, that's the one. Yeah, I mean, okay. So conventional wisdom says that it's probably not Liverpool. Although you never know with a home game, Man United Liverpool. That would be such an interesting. It would be a really interesting podcast. Imagine if you guys win that game. I don't think it's going to happen, but who knows? It could happen. Even if it happened in a sort of fluky way, that could completely change the season. Um, But let's say it's probably not that. Um, The week after you have Southampton away, I would say that you're going to beat Southampton, but away scares me. Um, Then... We, we beat them, by the way, 18 months ago. We beat them 9 nothing 18 months ago. Yeah. I mean, but do you feel confident in that one? Because I feel like just the fact that we're playing this game means that you don't think that it's going to be two games from now that they're going to get a win. Correct. Um, then, I mean, you have kind of a tough schedule here of Liverpool, then Southampton away, Leicester away, then Arsenal. You know what I mean? Like, the away, I think, is like... I, I now that fans are back. Well, we stadium, did, we've lost I'm we've really lost seven straight. We've lost seven straight away matches going to last season. Wow. I don't so think it's going to be your point is made. Um, you have Arsenal at Old Trafford. I don't know. That's a toss up. I mean, I like at this point we're playing better than you are, but at Old Trafford, that's always tough. Um. Then you have Crystal Palace at Palace at Selhurst Park. 
Not loving that. Then you have Leeds at Old Trafford. So maybe maybe I'll go for Leeds as a win. I think that it, I don't think those will be your first points, but I I mean if I had to they might. bet on them, I, <laughs> they might yeah, I I wouldn't bet before Leeds. I mean, mm, that's tough. The thing about Brentford and I don't I we haven't played them this year. I haven't seen them this year. Last year they struck me like we've had there were a few teams in this sort of category. Like I'd put Crystal Palace in a similar zone where it's like well, they could punch you in the mouth. They're actually a real good team. And like, you know, I mean, like I think Palace took four points off of us last year. I want to say Brentford. I mean, obviously they beat us early. I think we beat them in the reverse fixture. But like there, there are teams that are, you know, yes, they may be 10th place when you play them, but that is far from an easy match. Um, right. And I think, the, I think, that's the exact kind of match that this Manchester United team is going to struggle with because, you know, just Wait, a well-organized kind of match, team. Of what, <laughs> what kind of match are we not going to struggle with this year? I don't know. Cause even the, the one that I think will also be a shitty teams are good. The shitty when teams you're playing are like in the Carling cup and it's a team that's three leagues below you, but like, you never know. You know what I mean? Like those are, those ones are easy to drop. That happens. I don't know. I don't feel confident for you guys right now. So my guess would have been that away match at Palace because it's on 9-11. So I was thinking that, like, what a better, more poetic time for United to to, to break their zero-point duct than on 9-11. But you're right. Like, logistically, leads feel like they can be gotten at, even though there's a lot stronger now than they were against the... or when they have in the dying days of Bielsa. Jesse Marsh has actually kind of turned them into a functional team. If you guys beat Palace at Selhurst Park, I will be impressed because I think that's a good Palace team. And they're good in the way that is like hardest for a team like Man United, where it's like, I mean, they're good in the way that's also hard for Arsenal in that like they don't give you an inch of space. They press fiendishly, you know, everyone, you know, and then they get the, you know, they get the ball to Zaha a few times a game and he can make things happen. Like, they're a very easy team to drop points against. I'd be, if you guys take three points off them away, I think that's a great sign for your season. The reason I felt that way was because we tied them in preseason and I'm like, oh, they're not miles better than us, at least. That was my yeah. rationale, but... Um, it's tough to base anything. Not a, not a fun game, is this? It's like, you're, you're not supposed <laughs> to have to wait multiple months for like your team to win and for you to feel pleasant. Um... Dude, Let's I'm play like... another not fun game. Martinez, obviously, this is a Arsenal Man United podcast at the nexus of those clubs. The one transfer that was at the nexus of those clubs this past summer was Martinez. Arsenal wanted him. Um, Man United also wanted him. You got him. Two games in. I'm sure that is just enough time to give your definitive impression of him forever and totally, you know. No caveats whatsoever. Just tell us, is he any good? Um, what's this deal? I would say he's good, but it's like you he he's all right, is he getting ready for a bad metaphor? Mm-hmm. He's like wearing his nicest clothing for again, we're going prom. Prom is tonight's theme. Yeah. There's uh, a real frustration uh motif going on in this show today, but go on. There really is. But he he showed up at his prom best. And then he gets to the dance and everyone is already wasted and like someone like spiked the punch 
and like someone's actually did the comical movie trope where someone falls onto the table that has the punch and it launches the punch bowl into the air uh, uh, and like that's harry Maguire just sitting near the punch bowl um but like imagine <laughs> yeah, harry Maguire actually just did that on purpose on the table it's weird if, if ten, hog, ten hog wants to play with his defenders further up to help like lock in the press and then if we get countered on you need speed to get back Harry Maguire playing a high line means Harry Maguire has to, I don't know, plod over half of a field like a stegosaurus. Right. Because uh, that's how he runs. Like, if Martinez were partnered with Varane or Lindelof, I think it would be a stronger defensive partnership. I also think Tyrell Molassia already deserves to play over Luke Shaw. Oh, wow. You know, that's interesting that you bring that up because one of the things that I somehow missed over the summer when we were in for Martinez. I think it was kind of under the radar, but apparently Arsenal were not interested in signing him as a center back. We were interested in signing, no, as a left back. And on some level, I mean, when you, when you just look at him, like if he walks out of a convenience store and they have those height things up there, you, he kind of looks more like a left back. And obviously he's like a great, Ball Wait, what convenience center. store has height things? Every convenience store. You've never noticed you that? must be this tall to buy. <laughs> no, no. It, what it really is is let's see how tall the guy is who just robbed us when they leave. You've never seen these? No. Like it's, look, next time you leave a 7-Eleven, look, and you can see it says like six foot, and then there's like a 5-6, like a which really they should yeah. be more specific because everyone is between 5-6 and 6 foot basically. Jeff, I'm in LA. We have solved petty crime, so I don't, I don't even know what you're talking People about. Always say it on LA. It's after you guys finished with traffic, you went right to petty crime, and they're both just done. And now you're well, getting through traffic, public transportation. Post <laughs> traffic, post crime. It's a liberal paradise. Global warming's <laughs> actually going away out here. <laughs> We're not having multiple droughts every season. That's um, true, and the, the city is not on fire, contrary to what you may have seen on. Oh Facebook. no! And just ignore your daily shooting news story. Ignore it. Uh, <laughs> other other than that, we've got this shit locked down. It's the Manchester United of cities. If you if you watch the first half of this match this weekend against Brentford, what you'll notice is that David de Gea instantly like kicked the ball into his own goal twice, for for like metaphorically. Like, so like he, the first one was like a goal, a shot that was taken not very hard that just sort of squibbed under his arms. He should have like gotten his body in front of it. He had enough time. It wasn't like a hard driven shot. It it was just an oopsie. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the next goal was him trying to pass out of the back is like trying to watch a small child try to pass out of the back in a Premier League match. He gets so scared. He He passes the ball to like, a defender, a midfielder, I think it was Erickson who was like running towards the goal, but who had someone right on his ass. And so like the ball gets passed to a Brentford attacker who scores. And it's like, that's all goalkeeper fuck ups are the reason we were two nil down inside of like 12 minutes. And I don't know how you rally the rest of the team after it becomes three and four. It's like, sure. 
I mean, the first one, especially because, I mean, if there's one thing that De Gea is supposed to be able to do, it's stop everything, you know, and then he has many other problems. He's not a boss of the box and he's not one that wants to play out of the back. I, when I watch Man United now, it gives me flashbacks to when we were trying to play out of the back with either Leno or Czech, you know, because both Emery and Arteta, when they came here, wanted to do that. And it strikes me as like, that might be the bigger position of need right now, even more than the midfield, which like, obviously we've talked about a lot on the show of like, that's just a glaring problem. But you right need now both. United. You can't pick one sure. or the other and be like, we're going to be the team that skips midfield or we're going to be the team that skips keeper. Uh, like we're, we're skipping so many vital positions to the way that Ten Hag wants to play to the way anyone wants to play. But I think De Gea is, he's got to go. And I mean, is there anyone else in the pipeline for you guys now? Or I mean, it's got to be we a transfer had, in. We had Dean Henderson and he has left on loan, but he said basically fuck United on his way out. So I'm guessing he won't be brought back next year. It's not um, usually what you say if you want to have a long career at United. But if you want to buy the next Allison and if they even wanted to come to United, which they won't, that's going to be a 50 million pound investment at, at a minimum. Uh, they they need to do that at forward. They need to do that at central midfield. They need to do that. There's still no right winger in the squad, recognized right winger. Uh, so it's, it's like we are we are been playing over there, but you would not call him a natural right winger. No, because he performs best on the left, and it's not even close from his output perspective. It's about which foot the player plays with, and if they're right. if they're right footed and they're a left winger. They can kind of beeline for the goal and then just take shots. Whereas if you're left-footed, you're pretty much going to have to cross the ball. Right. Um, So, yeah, like we we just are missing all these huge positions. And whoever we sign in the next few days won't solve them. So the season, like it's the the last two games have been like the reality check for me that like not only is this season not going to go as well as you hoped it might, I didn't. I wasn't saying anything like, "Oh yeah, top four. Like, I think I've been realistic that we're really sure. at, at best case scenario, we were roughly where we were left. Uh, lose a lot of talent, replace a tiny bit of it is not gonna ever make yeah. you much better the next year. Um, but now I'm just like, we're in the releg. Like looking at that that game we played with the schedule, it's like we could be in the relegation zone all season. <laughs> like this could be bad. This could be really right. bad. And what does that mean? What does that mean to the future of this club? Is it like a way to to purge us of our ownership group? Or, or are they just going to go, well, you had a bad season, and then this is going to be the new expectation is whatever happens, happens, and we don't care. There's no, there's no emotional outcry from the board if we finish 16th or 18th or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like the dangerous thing to me in United land right now is – They've used up a season or two of quote unquote patience. You know, United fans are many things. They're not known for being like especially patient with bad results, but they've had, they've dealt with them for the last couple of years. And then now you're starting a project, which is going to necessitate not great results for a while. So it's like, you're really talking about at a minimum, this sort of five year chunk of time where, success looks like sneaking into Europa League or, you know, winning a lesser cup, which is 
I think that's a tough pill to swallow if you're a United fan. That is not where you're used to being. But also, it's just not getting us any closer to sustainable answers. Like, well, and you bring up the, the the big, the real success for this season beyond the results is like having that vague feeling that you might have a team. You know what I mean, and that you might be a place that people would want to come to next season and that sort of thing. Yeah, we don't have that. Yeah. At all, and 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 there's currently no plans to introduce that. Like, what they would be doing right now if they really got it would be blowing up the squad and settling for like a year where it's like we've got a couple of future cornerstones we bought around, and then we're gonna put our best youth products on the field, and then like you just build from there. It's like the way they do it in baseball, uh, almost. Just unfortunately, we have the dangling fear of relegation that baseball doesn't. Uh, right. have to deal with. Um, you I, think, I, I mean, how 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 realistic of a fear do you think that is at this point? I mean, only there's 36 games left. We are, but even shittier teams with lower budgets are full team. Even if they're the ceiling of what they could be is not the best, they can play this game and not just implode by default from not having... Like, if, imagine you tried to play baseball and you're like, we're just not going to do a catcher. Uh, we're going to have yeah. five... In, we're going to have five infielders. Every pitch. Yeah. Well, five infielders and then however many people left outfield. Um, we're going to have, like, slower pitchers. Like, just doing the things where you're like, okay, so you're just going to get destroyed. You don't have the tools to yeah. do this at a core competency level, like an average level. Right now, I would say there are teams that are better than us that are like, it's shameful that they're better than us. Like, yeah. shameful. I'm still so surprised. You know, like, I had a friend who loved to play fantasy sports, and one thing that he loved to do was actually take over a really bad team and then just go Excellent. scour the waiver wire and, like, you know, turn like the last place team into like the fourth place team you didn't want to play. And I feel like that's the kind of thing that ought to be up 10 hogs alley. I mean, it's not like, like where he's coming from. It's not like he's used to buying only $80 million players. So like, like to me, it's like, why, why didn't I mean, it's the question that everybody's wondering about why didn't United buy four players I've never heard of from the championship that everybody's like, huh, it looks all right. Uh, around the time that Rangnick left, all of a sudden, a lot of the scouting people just effed off. There's interesting. suspicion that they've, they either are really talented and were never being listened to because Glazers, or it's a lot of people who just got jobs that they were never really held accountable for. Mm. And they did shit scouting. And when Tintag showed up and said, okay, show me, show me the scouting reports. I don't. I'm never going to yeah. have a good Dutch Dutch voice. He looked that at them and was like, what did you do? Just play FIFA? And they're like, we played a lot of FIFA. like And football manager. <laughs> yeah, we we, play, we tried eFootball. It's not as good, but we still tried it. Like, we, we think we know there's this guy, Killian Mbappe. You should go give him a call. I'm sure he'll love to come here. This place is like Disney World, didn't you hear? Yeah. <laughs> And then in that it, it is like, an overpriced hellhole. That is actually a pretty good metaphor. That is like Disney World. So, so like the Rangnick appointment as like a consultant being scrapped, that was a sign. All of the scouting department leaving was a sign. And the fact that uh, Ten Hag only really wants successful players from Ajax is a sign. Because yeah. he's like, I 
I don't know who I haven't already coached that can do this yet because that requires like a full year of scouting being done by good scouts who know what I'm looking for. And then also Ten Hag had, I mean, he's kind of swept under the rug a bit, but as a director of football at Ajax, he had, I think it was Mark Overmars. Hmm. Former Arsenal player. Yeah, I was going to say, that rings a bell. Yeah, I know that guy. And he was dismissed for sexual harassment. Uh, But the belief is that he was the one largely assembling the team and Ten Hag was doing the coaching. Right now, the people that do that at United are, yet again, people with no experience. People that were in the Woodward regime. Um, And that's going to just continue until, honestly, I don't see it changing until someone buys the club and says, this has been shit. We're starting from zero. Like that's right. you need to do that almost the way that like when when like some of these problematic owners like the Saudis buy a club they they it seems like they've learned from the Chelsea and Manchester City like slow like long path up they're like let's let's get the right foundations in right away like that's more important even than how we finish in the league this year yeah. because we can become dominant if we just build if we all are building the same thing year after yeah. year if we have to change our mind what we're building every 2 years then we will not make anything i mean that's it's that whole you know cliche of trust the process but the hint is in there there has to be a process you know otherwise you're just trusting nothing and, and we're the only club in this conversation that is fully self-sustainable, but the Glazers have put all this debt on us that we that was never money spent on bettering the club. It was money spent to acquire the club. Right. We don't put any no investor money. Like, look how much money Todd Bowley's just spent on Chelsea. Like a two hundred million pound window. Our window so far has been fifty, and yeah. they were better than us last year. So. If, if the Glazers were serious about having competitive product, I feel like that math automatically tells you which way the season is going to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. All right. So, side, uh, yeah, either we'd let's talk, let's talk about Arsenal. Let's talk about <laughs> Arsenal. Maybe that video game I wanted to talk about can happen at some point. Ooh, like that. Because um, this just felt like I was being grilled by a cop. That's what this first part of this podcast felt like sorry i was trying to empathize but i was also i wanted answers god damn it no i wanted uh no i i did i was legitimately curious about some of the stuff obviously you follow united a lot closer than i do but i uh but every answer that you gave me made me less i was hoping that some of the answers you would give me would help you to be more optimistic but no. uh they were all kind of going the other way so um you may talk to your lawyer now on the other hand, I do think that, uh, like, I mean, we're just in that weird stage where, if anything, I'm trying not to be too optimistic. I'm trying to remember that Liverpool are still way better than us. Man City were way better than us last year. And, he, you know, and they even got assuming that we got better, they got way better. You know, so this is just such a weird time in this league where it's like, I mean, legitimately – a really, really successful year for us this year probably looks like second place. And that's like almost dreaming too much. That's like a pipe dream, you know, like third place. but you possible. need, you need, 
you need some of those established contenders to have weird wonky seasons for whatever reason. Like that Leicester championship winning season, uh, Premier League winning season was because all of the other usuals were like having really sketchy, odd, like a couple results in a row. Um, it's hard to believe that that's happening this year when Chelsea seemed to have gotten better. You know, well, the World Cup, World Cup happening could right scramble some people's seasons. If somebody gets injured at the World Cup, that's one thing. If a team had a bunch of really good momentum and then disappears for six weeks, you kind of come back to zero momentum and you've got to either build it again or you don't have it. I could very, very easily see that being the story of Arsenal season of like having a great fall. Then you go into this weird time warp called the World Cup, and then you come back with no rest into the English season, which, I mean, I believe they, didn't they make a scheduling change over like the winter area? Because, I mean, that's sort of the thing that the Premier League is famous for is having this brutal Christmas to, you know, Christmas through New Year's schedule where everybody else like takes a break and goes to the beach and we just keep grinding our players' bones. But... I don't know. I think that could very well be Arsenal's season is that we have like a great fall and we have a lapse at some point and then we wonder what could have been at the end of the year. I'm well, But that could also happen to the teams above you, especially as, I mean, yeah. all of these teams are sending players to the World Cup, but like I can think of a specific example, like England going all the way to the finals of the Euro and losing. Luke Shaw scored a goal in that game. Luke Shaw has not looked like Luke Shaw since that game. Harry yeah. Maguire was in a lot of people's team of the tournament for that for that England game. Harry Maguire hasn't been in a lot of people's starting United 11s. So it's like right. some of those tournaments, you put it all out there, and then you just don't have maybe the same attitude, the same like, oh, we got to win the championship. We got to win the Premier League this year. Like, you need that hunger. You need to you need to be training at a level where it's like insane that you're training this this much, but it's because you want it that bad. And I feel like for a lot of these players, they're already paid a lot of money whether they do well or not. They have long contracts that take them into their 30s whether they do well or not. Like yeah. what can you really do to hurt Harry Maguire or or Luke Shaw or David De Gea? Like you really I mean, I would think a well-placed yeah. slingshot anywhere near his forehead, and I say that as a guy with a 5 or 6 head at this point, but it's, really it's, it's kind of different from back when, and I'm not saying it's players being rewarded for their effort and for their value in a very, in a trillion dollar industry. But like the fact that like a shitty player at United gets paid more than most other teams will play their, pay their stars. It's got to do something to someone who already has maybe a questionable makeup. Yeah. So, um, sorry, this was about Arsenal. Um, so you've got you've beaten Crystal Palace two nothing, you've beaten Leicester City four two. You have a very different beginning of the league than we do. Yeah. So this game, I think you you can feel a lot better about this game. So you've got Bournemouth next. You've got Arsenal yeah. at Fulham next, or against Fulham. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where yeah. it is. Um, you've got Arsenal against Aston Villa. Got to beat Stevie G. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll be inter- like if they could take nine points off that. It's a weird situation where it's like on paper, it always looks like, 
oh, these are the teams that we should beat. But I think in the reality in the Premier League, there are very few, if any, easy wins. And so, you know, realistically, you, we probably aren't taking all the points from those games. Um, but, and you, I think- but you've had two of them already, and both of them have proven to not really be nail biters. Like when Leicester scored their second goal, it was, Arsenal was just like, yeah, okay, we'll get one too. Like it was over. Yeah, and I mean, I think it weirdly, I think that scoreline almost flatters Leicester a little bit because I think it could have easily been five, you know, for Arsenal, right. maybe more. And then I think even just the two that they had, like one of them was a pretty fluky own goal. So I don't know. In terms of like form, it felt like we were very much in control. I mean, I don't know. There were a lot of things to like about that game. And to make you optimistic, I think the one thing that I was really happy to see was that, you know, Jesus did not score in the first one. And I think sometimes when a player, I thought he played just fine in the first one, but uh, I think sometimes when a new forward comes in and they haven't scored in one or two or three, you know, that pressure starts to pile up and it starts to affect the what's on the field. So the fact that he went out and had, I think it was two goals and two assists in that game is like, well, that has done a lot to pad his ego and stats and all sorts of other things. Um, bra probably. Um, I think that's good for the team. Do you have, do you have your, your schedule or your fixture list in front of you? I can very quickly. So the way I see it, you're going to have five wins when Arsenal plays Manchester United on September 4th. Mm. Anything That's other the Emirates? Uh, it doesn't. Tell, it doesn't tell me on Arsenal.com. Um, it's annoying. But uh, on anything other than a sudden United investment and sudden United turnaround. Yeah. Sorry, I keep feeling like I'm going to hiccup when I talk to you. Uh, anything oh, other than a sudden God. United? <laughs> I'm gonna. Anything other than a sudden United turnaround? Uh, I think Arsenal will win that one. Then Everton and Brentford, again, both winnable. Like, there, you could go on quite a run until you get to Spurs, Liverpool uh, in the beginning of October. Yeah. I mean, October will be this crazy make-or-break month for us where we have Tottenham, Liverpool, and Man City all mm-hmm. in a row. And then just into November, we have Chelsea. So that's where the rubber's really going to meet the road. But, you know, I do think... There would be something really nice, like if we were to not drop many of the points that should be very winnable for us over the next few games, like I think there's something psychological when a team plays you and you're nine points ahead of them in the table. Even if you're actually like very evenly matched as teams, there's something right. nice about going into it like that. There's less pressure would, on the team in front. It would be great if we could start to build up a little bit of a lead because, I mean, frankly... In October, I don't think that we're going to be taking 12 points or whatever. You know, I think it's going to be, those are going to be a lot harder fought than, you know, say Crystal Palace or, you know, any number of these other ones like Bournemouth this weekend. Until you play Liverpool or City, there is a world where you could have the same record as them when you meet. Yeah. I mean, even right now in the table, like there are two teams with two wins. And it's like, I, I get that it's two games into the season, but. 
stuff like that. Like I think psychologically it affects the players. Um, certainly affects the fans and the support that you receive in a home game. Um, so I don't know. Can I ask you devil's advocate question? Yeah. Is there any percentage of you that thinks that this is a false dawn and that you get two, two good wins at the beginning of the season, but that as the season wears on, yeah, it, it could fall apart for what, any reason that we didn't notice prior. I mean, I think we've basically seen the same 11 twice now. So to mm-hmm. find out what we're like when it's Sambi Lakonga instead of party in the lineup, you know, to find out what we're like when Shaka inevitably gets a three-game suspension for a stupid red card that he should should have avoided. I mean, honestly, just to find out when we're down to 10 men, we played, what was it? I think by halfway through last season, we had played five games at 10 men, you know? So I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of banana peels that we can slip on. And then there's things like, I mean, just a key injury. I think it's weirdly, I mean, I know that Arsenal's still going for another winger in the transfer market, which I find strange because it seemed like we have a lot, but I think in our midfield, especially at the base of that midfield, we're a relatively fragile team. We don't have a ton of depth there. And, you know, as you know, better than just about any soccer fan in the world, like, you know, you, you go missing a midfielder or two at that center mid and suddenly it affects, you know, that's the one position that touches everyone else on the chart. And when you don't have the ball ticking along in midfield, then that's It feels like it's either the brain or the heartbeat of the team. So to go with like Kirkland brand, uh, knockoff midfielder, it's, it's, (laughs) that's their, their, they're on the field, but they're not doing like Scott McTominay running away from the balls and not fulfilling the role of a central midfielder. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I definitely, I do not think that we are invincible and, you know, I use that word to mean multiple things there, but I do not think that we are going to have a completely like worry-free season. And I do think that. Nor should you, that would be unfair to me. If, if, if Ramsdale has a dip in form like he did last year in goal at the end of the season, like he seems, he seems to be looking great so far and he looked great at the beginning of last season, but you know, there's a world where that becomes a problem. Um, you know, we're, I think our back line, we have, we have some depth there, which is good, but we also have some injuries already there. So, you know, if Tomoyasu struggles to get back into the lineup and then, you know, because right now we're playing Ben White, who likes to play centrally. We're playing him on the right, um, you know, as a right back. And so suddenly any injury anywhere on the back line, now we're stretched. So I don't know. I think there's I think there's a lot of ways for Arsenal to end up being worse than we are right now. But, you know, hopefully I've reverse jinxed them enough by talking about them for the last 10 minutes. Knock on wood. I know for a fact that that does nothing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know for a fact that that would only lock in your future misery. Um, oh, damn it. Would you humor me with some video game talk? Yes. Video game talk. That's a... Yeah, intro for the segment. So, I have a PlayStation 5, which is... My family member who loves me the most uh, and interacts with me the most. Um, but what- <laughs> I was not expecting that sentence to go that way. I thought you were going to say that someone had given it to you or something. But okay, that's your family. 
So it's my family. Um, but with a PlayStation Five, you have like all of the old games that you have gotten, like free games every month for being a, a member of PlayStation Plus. They all go somewhere. They all go to like this game. Um, yeah, it's more. It's what's the one? Where it's Limbo. Go into like a game uh, limbo where you're just waiting. Yeah, you're waiting to be played with someday. You're waiting to live. You're you're um, Schrodinger's cat as a game. If you are a game and you are not played, are you a game? Wow. Um, yes. But I found a game in my like list of stuff called uh, Cult of the Lamb. Go on. Is this so the idea? The idea to this game is you are a little satanic lamb. <laughs> and it is you okay. Have, wow, you 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 ha- want to start a cult, and how it works is half of the game is what's called a like rogue like or rogue light game, which is you know you go into like a new little dungeon room, kill all the bad guys, but like you have very limited health. It's very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but that but you do it. You get power ups each room you go into. You get like a new power up that sort of makes you a little bit stronger as the game gets a little bit harder. Gotcha. You harvest resources from all that. But what makes this one different from other roguelike games? A lot of them would be just that part of it, where you're just trying to like fight your way through, and that's all that matters. Like there's a game called Hades, where you're trying to escape from the underworld as the son of Hades or whatever. Okay. Um, in this game. Half of it is like an Age of Empires meets The Sims kind of like building your cult on this like cult territory where like you're building sleeping bags and then you're building them into shelters and you're, you've got to build a place for them to poop into because otherwise they're just pooping on the ground and you've got to go clean that up with a rake. Or like you've got to set, set up farmland or like lumber yards or like all of it. a rake stuff. to clean poop. Unless unless it was a lot of very constipated poops that could you could get. I think otherwise it would just squeeze through the little like bristles of the rake. You're the founder of the cult. You don't have all the tools. You're just doing your best. You're doing your best <laughs> with what you've got. Inside of your shrine, you basically get to choose new doctrines for your cult. Like when this happens, that happens. Like one of my... Cult doctrines became like we are now the grass eater people. So if food is tight and I'm able to make them like grassy gruel, they'll be able to eat it. It will will restore a little bit of their stomach of their hunger, uh, but without making them 20% chance that they get sick and puke their guts out, which then I would have to go clean up. So with a rake, I guess. It's like running a small community while going out and at night, like just hunting and killing these like baddies. That um, sounds like the exact kind of fun game that I would occasionally play if I didn't have two children. It was. It's also only twenty five bucks too. It wasn't a full sixty dollar game mm. for something like twenty five. Feels like it's indie. You should like. I want to show you like a trailer of it. Maybe not on the podcast, um, but. I've been just playing it and playing it. It's just so it's it's like it's it's a game that's really mastered that dopamine feedback cycle where it's like they want to give oh, yeah. you just enough happiness to keep you coming back again and again and again. They don't want to make it so frustrating that you say fuck this game, right? Like like I did with United at halftime uh, this weekend. <laughs> but I yeah, switched. You have not mastered the dopamine cycle. It must be said they are really doing poorly on that. 
But Jeff, if if United has a, as bad of a season as I anticipate they will, we're going to need to make room for other topics or I'm going to just become like snapshots of a man in decline. And it's yeah. going to be like we're, just if you just look at all the podcasts back to back to back, you like you see me like one of those uh, stop motion video, not stop motion, time lapse <laughs> videos with a burger turning like into the- like like the presidential photos eight years after they've been in and they're just like, like all gray hair. That'll be you. We're like in the beginning of Obama's uh, first term, he looked like a young guy. And by the end, he looked like he was a living piece of American currency. Like he looked like the penny that they will eventually make with his face on it or whatever. Yeah. That's going to be you. And and for so as might... noble a cause as the U.S. presidency is for watching football on the weekends. But do you get you get what I mean? That I'm going to need like other topics because yeah. Manchester United alone, sadness. Hearing about how great things are going for you, unfortunately, Jeff, very conflicted, also sadness. kind of annoying. Yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Like I, I want, I want you to do well enough that you are not hurting as a person. That's I want Arsenal to finish wherever Jeff can deal with. I don't want yeah. you to finish any lower than that. I'm not, I'm not looking for your, your tears. But maybe that's because now I am the man who is outside saying, "Please, may I have some more?" I'm the yeah. the uh, the Red Dickensian street urchin. Hmm. Well, but, but, I think one thing that could help you in this sort of Dickensian struggle that you are embarking on is laughing at the misfortune of other teams. Um, not even Arsenal in this case. Um, if I may close us out, a final topic. Uh, uh, did you see any of the Chelsea Spurs game? Uh, after after I turned off United at half, I didn't watch another minute of football that weekend. I was in a mood. Oh, really? Wow. But I, okay. did, I did see on Reddit... The famous handshake fight. That was uh, a real odd fight. Like that, I, 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 I've watched it many times, and I'm still not totally sure I understand what's going it? on in the clip. Are we allowed to show it? Probably. I don't know. Someone's watching. Conte. There's one person watching. It's probably an FBI agent. We're. we're Wait, who was it? Was Conte and Tuchel handshake fight? I can't write the word fight. Um. But I'm good. if I can find a video. All right, you ready to see an eight second video on this can bad boy? This? I've never, we've never done this before. Go for it. Let's try. Um, I just gotta find you. All right, so I go share, share screen, share screen. Okay, I, I, trying to just share my screen is really. That's tough. Discord, Streamyard, messages, apps like. Entire screen. I'm just doing tech support during the podcast. Uh, it's really good podcasting. All right, so you I can gotta, cover something else while I. I was <laughs> say, like you, you've covered for me as I um, shepherd my kids back into the room that they're supposed to be hanging out in as I do this. That isn't this room, um, so I should be able to antic on the air a bit better, fill some time. I should be a bit more. I'm, I'm not going to be able to. I'm not going to be able to get it going without canceling the recording of this podcast. So I'm not going to do okay. it. Sorry. Don't do it. But everybody, I mean, everyone can Google it themselves. It's a very weird passive aggressive fight, and then I mean, it wasn't even really a fight because they had this like weird handshake that kind of looked like he was like pulling on 
oh, you got something going. I got. I oh, really? Wait. Oh, wait. That's not what I wanted us to do. Don't look at my work email. <laughs> hmm. I NDA, exited NDA, it. Why is it still there? watching this has to sign an NDA. Hold on. How do I... How do I turn this off? Remove from... No! It's <laughs> blown up. <laughs> now it's all. Okay, now we're back. Was there anything compromising? Oh, my God. Uh, Why I didn't is... actually read anything of it. I think you Why... are... It said terminated. I don't know. Why? Terminated. Why? That was very upsetting how that just went down. Might not be doing that again. Um, so yeah, so so go ahead and talk about it now that I've ruined it. Now that you've ruined it. No, uh, it was it was such a weird... I kind of wonder if this is like 3D chess from the coaches in the sense that like it was the kind of... Like if they had really wanted to fight, they were standing right next to each other. And then they did this weird like hand pull, I think was like... Did they, the, didn't the, someone offer their hand like as you do after right. a match? And then it was a draw. So really no one has... That big of a right to be a pouty pants. Right. I mean, if anything, it's one of those weird moments where it's like you've won the draw because you scored last, but actually it's still a draw. So, like, why are you so happy? But Conte sort of, like, pulled the hand, it seemed like. And then they both did a bunch of, well, you're lucky they're holding me back. And, like, they were already being held back before anyone was holding them back. They were both like, you're lucky this you're lucky this you're lucky this water bottle's here. I'd kill you, man. And then eventually there were a bunch of players that pulled them apart. But I mean the funniest part about it is that Conte got a red card. So I'm not sure in so that he, kind of he's is that missing. a three game or a one game? Because that's like I mean, it's not like a red card of like, oh, you were the last man tackling, obviously. So that's gotta be a three game. I'm not sure how it works with managers, but like uh, it's interesting because rarely with managers is it for like perceived violence. You know what I mean? Normally it's for I, yeah. walking on the pitch or like. Sorry, I'm trying to like figure out a way to now live on the podcast to download a YouTube video so I can just play it. Whereas I'm Googling the research that I should have done before the podcast. Um, okay. I'm you guys to know. I'm going to football.london, which is always a mistake, um, because they have the clickbaitiest headlines and they make you work for it. As Thomas Tuca and I kind of clashed several times on the touchline in a feisty North London clash with both the Chelsea and Tottenham managers eventually. Oh, they both, I didn't realize they both got a red card. I saw Conte got it. I didn't realize Tuchel did as well. Um, let's see. Tuchel and Conte facing one match touchline banded both red cards and a fiery clash between uh, despite it being just the second game of the season it was a tough test for both sides um, they're just really not going to tell me the thing I googled alright so I think I'm going to be able to play it okay are you ready for this yes so if I go to StreamYard and then I go to they add now video. face a one match sideline ban which would impact Chelsea's match against Leeds United and Tottenham against Wolves. So, interesting start to the season for them. I still think they'll be fine long. Like, again, another team that reinforced properly with, well, with a tough this, coach who's had success. And then there's a little part of me that thinks, is this the kind of thing where you mix it up because you think that that's what the team needs to see from you now? You know what I mean? Like, there's a little part of me that thinks that this is a very calculated thing, the way that 
Because if they had really just been interested in fisticuffs, like I think they could have fisticuffed a little harder, if I'm honest. But these were very cinematic, but... So, because Tuchel in his press conference uh, afterwards said, you know, where I'm from, you make eye contact when you shake hands. And if you watch, Conte just sort of tries to like shake hands and blow by him, like sort of the bare minimum level of respect. And apparently they'd both been like celebrating in front of each other during goals earlier, which is, you know, sort of why this happened. But it looks like now I actually think Tuchel's more the villain here. We're like, Conte was doing like maybe not the most respectful gesture in the world of like quasi shaking hands as you walk by a dude, but like Tuchel's the one that he rips him back and then he does this gesture of like, you better look me in the eye next time you shake my hand kind of thing. Um, so I, I, maybe I should change this to Tuchel is cunty, but then that's not a good pun at all. And, uh, <laughs> Well, so I'm sorry, and so it played while our mics were muted. I wonder if we should play it again, but see if we can manually take ourselves off mute to, to commentate over it. Otherwise, okay. how is it interesting? Can you mute the video as well, or no? That's I, I don't know. I don't know if I can. Uh, Jeff, can Jeff. They're showing they're showing Conte celebrating like his kid just got a liver transplant. (laughs) Tuchel is like, oh yeah? Well my kid also needs a liver transplant. Being happy in front of my face, bro? I don't like that that much. Alright, I'm turning this off. Uh the the, the unnecessary godsmack, like soccer like fans are like, godsmack. But soccer fans are like, oh man, I got all these great clips. I can't just let people enjoy the clips. I gotta take out the announcing that everyone wants to hear, and then put in a techno track. Usually, although the godsmack was a curveball because I would have expected it to be like like a dance track from Ibiza from five years ago. Right, like something Neymar picked out himself for the song. <laughs> yeah, what he was listening to during his most recent haircut, whatever that is. All right, buddy. Uh, I, I have nothing more to, to contribute unless you had another topic that you were... That's all of soccer. Def- that's all right. So this has been another Defeat the Soccers. And, uh, we, and we won. We, we and I'm going to need to self-medicate uh, after this podcast. All right. Well, uh, if you are a United fan out there, there's got to be one of you. Uh, just, just you know, try to try to remember that it, there was a period of time in our lives where Manchester United wasn't everything, and go back to that age and live in that. And that's all we have. And if you're an Arsenal fan, block out everything else in your life because this is as good as we'll ever be again. The Saudis just bought a team. We're going to a big seven, and I'll let you know where I think Arsenal are going to end up in that pecking order. What a tease from Jeff. (laughs) 
All right, this has been Meet the Sockers. Goodbye, Jeff. Bye.